The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Messages of Hope. Well, hello. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Messages of Hope. I can't believe how quickly the weeks go by. I just love talking with all of you and finding really interesting, uplifting people to talk with. And boy, do I have one for you today. Our guest is Mark Ireland. I first met Mark at an Afterlife conference some years ago and never knew that our paths would cross more fully as they have recently. Mark's the author of several books, one of them called Soul Shift, Finding Where the Dead Go, and another, Messages from the Afterlife, which includes some uh, moving accounts of his personal quest for answers about life after death, after the passing of his youngest son, which we'll be talking about in just a little bit. Mark is the son of a renowned mid-20th century psychic medium some of you may have heard of, Richard Ireland. In addition to his own books, Mark contributed an essay to medium Alison Dubois' book, We Are Their Heaven, Why the Dead Never Leave Us. And in 2011, Mark was able to publish his father's previously unreleased manuscript, your Psychic Potential, a Guide to Psychic Development. So I know a lot of you, your ears are pricking up already because these are topics that are near and dear to all of our hearts. But Mark is also the co-founder of Helping Parents Heal, an organization that assists bereaved parents with unique support and resources. Just last week in this show, I interviewed his co-founder, Elizabeth Boisson, Now, we'll talk a lot about Helping Parents Heal today, but I want to emphasize to you right now that today's program is not just for parents who have a child on the other side. We're going to be talking later in the show about what Mark calls his five pillars of healing, which are very helpful to anyone dealing with the passing of any loved one. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Very happy to have you on here, and we were just chatting Previously, you've had a, a big life event in your family, the birth of your first grandchild. That's right. How could someone as young as me have a grandchild already? I just can't <laughs> understand that. Uh, but, That's uh, Her right. name's Lily Rose, and she's a beautiful little girl. That's beautiful. Congratulations. So tell us a little bit about your background. What was it like growing up with one of the most renowned psychics and psychic mediums in the country, in the world? Well, back 
during that time, it was a whole different era, you know. And I remember back to the 60s, the early to mid-60s when I was a little child, and um, someone with these abilities that had to be kind of packaged in a different way. The world wasn't as open to talking about mediumship or considering these type of this type of phenomena. But uh, just day-to-day, Dad always knew everything that was going on. You couldn't get away with anything, and it was just part of our normal life. And whenever anyone, you know, whenever I heard somebody was psychic, I just assumed it was like my dad and later found out, well, not exactly, you know. Um, but he, his, his, his abilities were above and beyond most, weren't they? I've just, you know, I've never seen anybody with that level of ability, both at the psychic level, but he was also a great medium, too. But most of my best stories that I remember about him pertain to some of the psychic stuff that was really just off the charts. A fun story was I took my wife, who was at the time, um, it was our second date, and I'd just gotten to know her, and I was kind of spontaneously seeing what she wanted to do, and I asked her if she'd like to go see my father's demonstration. Now, he he was a minister, and he started his own interdenominational church, um, and but in addition, he kind of branched out and started doing demonstrations in secular venues and things because he felt like he wanted to touch more people and just make them think about the greater reality and and question maybe some of their assumptions and think, you know, maybe I am more than a body was really his goal. So I took her out to see him this night, and um, I was running late as usual. I was 19 years old and Mm -hmm. um, not that responsible. So we we get there, and my father's normal routine was actually he would take 10 strips of Johnson Johnson medical tape and completely cover his eyes and put it over his eyelids and everything, three black blindfolds over that, and then more tape down over his cheek, just more for effect because it was clear that he couldn't see anything. People would write questions, send them up, and he would, you know, people would sometimes send the bills up and he'd give them serial numbers and all kinds of things like that. Wow. When we got there, my um, Susie, who's now my wife, at the time I date, uh, I said, well, send up a question. And so she thought about it and she wrote, "Some when will my mother get married? Because her mom had been divorced for a while and been dating someone for a period of time. She sends this up, and a short time later, my dad says, Susie Sipe, or Sap, he didn't pronounce the last name exactly right, but he was close. And he says, well, um, Susie, my dear, I think you've asked me about your mother and when she'll be getting married. Well, I don't know about your mother, but you've made your choice of men, and he's with you tonight. And then I had to speak up and say, Dad, Susie's my date. And he says, oh, my goodness, I think I just married off my own son. Wow, 19 years old. <laughs> yeah. That's and we fantastic. We did get married wow. when I, I had just I had just turned 21 by the time we got married, so it was not that long after that. That's great. So she knew what she was getting into as well right from the from the get-go. You know, I, I get a little ev- envious when I hear a story like yours because I imagine you never had any doubt that there was a greater reality that there's life after this life. So, um really I think that was a key thing that helped me through this and my wife as well to deal with the passing of our son Brandon and to be able to carry on and be healthy and regain happiness fairly quickly, you know, because I recalled those things. Uh, In addition to the kind of thing I just mentioned, my dad would spontaneously share messages from spirit 
from people who had passed, sharing often first and last names and very specific information and detail about them. And I could just see the looks on the folks' faces and how much peace it brought them. So that flashed back to me at the time. We were ourselves dealing with this. And and also, even though my dad had passed by that point, I had an uncle, his brother, who was still around, who was very gifted as well. And I was able to get something from him just a few days after Brandon's passing that was tremendously helpful. Which Would I you mind telling us what happened with Brandon? Sure. So um, this goes back to 2004. It was January 10th. And I'd been traveling the week before. And that particular morning, Brandon had said he was going to go on a hike of the McDowell Mountains, which were behind our home in Scottsdale, Arizona. And he hiked these mountains all the time. But for some reason that day, I felt uneasy about it. I kind of had, maybe it's like a premonition or something, but I just felt it could be dangerous for him. And it was really bothering me. And uh, I tried to talk him out of going. He was 18 at the time, and he said, uh, we're going, Dad. And uh, there was just, you know... I thought, well, I'm just being a worrying parent. You know, this is all in my head. And um, it was later in the day that afternoon that we got a distress call and found out that he'd been passing out on the mountain. He was with some buddies. And so we we drove home as fast as we could. And by the time we got there, there was a fire truck, an ambulance, a helicopter. And they introduced us to a chaplain, uh, which kind of made my heart Mm -hmm. sink because I figured, well, they usually do that when there's bad news to be shared, you know. Yeah, yeah. And a short time later, we're informed that he had passed. They showed us his body and uh, talked. The authorities wouldn't tell us what they thought had happened. Um, His friend, his best friend, Stu, had been giving him CPR for 45 minutes unsuccessfully. And some other people had even joined in and tried to help, but they were unsuccessful. And Stu didn't really know what was wrong. He just said that Brandon had complained about um, his arms going kind of numb and he felt like his heart was beating rapidly before he before this happened and then at one point Brandon had vomited and then joked about it so he was at least lighthearted I know which made me feel good and then he said I have to lay down now and he just laid down and his eyes rolled back so that's what happened uh, on the day that Brandon passed and you received you said some kind of validating message from your uncle is that right yeah, so it was just um, a couple days later. So I actually called. I was notifying all kinds of family and friends, and I talked to my uncle, and he says, well, is, let me know if there's anything I can do for you. And I said, well, if you get any kind of message or can get any connection, I'd really appreciate it. And um, so I think it was three days later, I was at the mortuary making arrangements, and he called me, or I called him. I don't remember which. And he said, Mark, I've been meaning to talk to you. He said, last night I tried to connect and I just couldn't get anything but I was doing my morning meditation today and your dad came to me and he looked like he always has um, and uh, mm-hmm. he had visited me f- before since he'd passed but it had been quite a while and he wanted you to know he was there for Brandon when uh, when Brandon passed and he helped him adjust and cross over and uh, Brandon wanted you to know you're the best parents he ever could have had which is what we want to hear but then I got the validation along with that Uh, My uncle said, um, now your dad tells me that Brandon's passing was caused by a a short of um, oxygen depletion in his bloodstream that caused cardiac arrest. 
And so a couple of days later, I talked to the physician who had conducted the autopsy, and she said that Brandon died from a severe asthma attack that decreases blood oxygen levels and causes heart to fail. So uh, my uncle told wow. me that two days before the doctor. What great validation. I know that must have brought you a lot of peace. I wow. shared it with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you ever sensed Brandon yourself? Yeah, I have uh, on many occasions, um, and my wife as well. I think she's had the most, um, I guess, phenomenal visit that that I've recounted, and I actually wrote about it in Soul Shift. But it was six months after Brandon passed that she, uh, we had gone on a cruise, and it was going to be for Brandon's high school graduation. But since he wasn't physically with us, we took our older son, Stephen, and we took Stu, the boy I mentioned earlier, who was a great friend of Brandon. We were gone for a week. We came back, and as soon as we got in the house, Susie sat at the foot of our bed, and to her side, she saw a figure out of her peripheral vision, and she felt his presence. Mm. And this lasted for maybe half a minute or whatever till I walked in the room and was talking too loud. But... Uh, she didn't share this with me right away because she felt I'd, I'd feel bad about having walked in the room and kind of broken it up. But what was really compelling was the very next day we got an unexpected call from a man named James Linton. And now James had been in that other party on the mountain that tried to help Brandon. James is a musician. Brandon was a bass player. And so before we left on the cruise, uh, we'd loaned James a bass guitar because he was doing some recording in his home studio. And so now he's calling one day after Susie's experience with no knowledge of Susie's experience. And he says, mm-hmm. uh, Susie, I have something to share with you, but I really don't know how to tell you. And she goes, well, just tell me, figuring that he probably broke in the bass or something. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I was recording this song, and all of a sudden I felt like another presence in the room with me in the studio, and I saw a figure out of my peripheral vision. Huh. And I saw flashes of white light, and I thought I was just hallucinating, so I ate something and I drank water and I took a shower but it just kept coming back again and again stronger and finally I gave in and just said um, Brandon what do you want and then when he said that he felt compelled to rewrite the words the lyrics to this song and changed uh, the bass line actually and uh, he said that this is the best song he's ever written but he didn't write it wow gosh I love the validations, and I, I know that everybody listening with me could just listen to these kind of stories for the full hour because this is what this is what fuels me. This kind of of I want to call it proof. Other people might not, but to me, having had these kind of experiences over and over, it just really shows those of us with loved ones on the other side that this is real. But yeah. then you went out and you took this a step further after Brendan's passing, right? You began giving presentations. Yeah, so I guess the first thing, and and again, I have had personal connections with him as well. One, I've had one lucid dream, and it was just as real real as waking reality, maybe more real than that. And I've also had a number of cases where I've actually felt his energy come into me, kind of, or shower me, if you will. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel inspired sometimes when I'm writing, like either my dad or Brandon are influencing what I write. But, but yeah, this did steer me into kind of a broader path. And it's interesting, kind of, you know, uh, after my uncle's um, thing, I, I was interested kind of in embarking back into my dad's territory. And I thought, you know what, I, I went down the business path and didn't pay a lot of attention 
to my dad's field, but now it's of great interest to me. And so um, it was just a month after Brandon passed that I was watching the NBC affiliate TV station News in Phoenix, and there was actually a a feature about the University of Arizona um, mediumship studies that were going on at the time to Dr. Schwartz. And and they featured some of the mediums that were doing at the time single-blind tests, and the one that they showed first was Allison Dubois. And she really got some striking validations, and it was in a blinded fashion. So I was kind of impressed and said, I'd love to uh, get a reading from her, and I'd love to be a sitter in that lab someday. And the very next day, I get a call from one of my dad's old friends out of the blue, Jerry Conser from Dallas, Texas. He says, Mark, um, I I know what you've been through, and I know someone who might be able to help you. Her name's Allison Dubois, and here's a number you can call to get an appointment. So talk about synchronicity, right? Oh, yeah. Little did I know, in in about a year, I would actually be in that lab as a a sitter for a a study that took place that actually was taped for Discovery Channel. And people can see a clip of that on my site, too. We'll talk about that later. But basically, I just look. I um, had a lot of experiences, and I documented those, but I also had, you know, I documented four readings that I initially had that are in that book, that being one with Allison, another with Linda Williamson in England, and she was famous for having solved a secret code for medium John Edward after his mom had passed. Um, And to read, if I could, just this little excerpt out of... uh, from that reading that's kind of interesting. Well, she was talking about a net, network of people. She says, Mark, the network is made up of a group of vig- individuals both here and on the other side who are interested in this research. Those on the other side, including Montague Keene, were involved in this when they were here. Um, they're work- working very hard to bring an increased level of understanding about this to the world today. And she basically said, people like you have been drawn into the network. Uh, you are part of the network. And then um, down here below, this will stir your mind a little bit when we talk about helping parents heal. She said, they're trying to make a network of contacts for you. And they're talking about you organizing meetings, bringing people together who have an interest in mediumship. Um, I'm not just talking about mediums, but writers, researchers, and others. The opportunity will arise for you to bring people together and form an organization or network where people can gather for meetings and discussions. You don't have all the contacts yet, but the ideas will come to you. In time, you'll clearly how to see how to, de- to develop this. People will come to you, and in turn, they will bring others in. And this was back in 2004, so pretty wow. ironic. <laughs> um, so I knew that I was supposed to do something more, and kind of it was a shift in my life. Um, and so even before any of my books were published, I... Um, I had met some other mediums. One of the ones that I documented was Jamie Clark. So we became friends after he read for me. And then we agreed to do an event together where I talked about um, religious traditions and how these phenomena are embedded in them and also mm-hmm. the science aspect. And he would do gallery readings. Um, and then I, we started doing more of these, and I did them with other people, and I did some on my own. And then when my first book came out, I had to learn how to talk in front of a group of people, and it just became natural, and I really enjoyed it. And then uh, had opportunities like this for radio shows and things. And um, Was so that I've the book continued. Soul Shift? Yeah, so that was the f- book Soul Shift. That came out in 2008. 
And then the, the I'll tell you, I've was, had so many people tell me how much that book helped them when they had somebody in their family pass. And it's what brought a lot of people to helping parents heal. So, you know, I, I, if we could shift in that direction now, I, yeah, I find absolutely. it so fascinating. I'm sure it's not lost on you or many others who hear your story that both you and your co-founder, Elizabeth Boisson, both of your families have sons who passed right around the same age from breathing issues on a mountain. Yes. Yeah. Stunning. Yes. Pretty ironic, isn't it? It is. How were you led to find Elizabeth? Well, that's really a fun story, too. It's really another case of synchronicity. So one one medium who's got to really come out of nowhere and now has become very prominent, and she's very gifted, is Suzanne Wilson. Oh, yeah. So the first time I ever met Suzanne was before I'd met Elizabeth. I was doing one of these events with Jamie Clark, and one of the attendees that had signed up for our seminar was Suzanne Wilson, and she explained to me during a break that she had just moved to Arizona from Florida, and she was trying to make a network of contacts and meet new people and so forth. And I remember her giving me a validation there that was kind of funny because she said, um, your, your uncle says your feet look like your dad's. And it was just one day before I was looking at my bare feet and thinking, man, my dad, I look like I have my dad's feet. Oh, that's <laughs> so too funny. Maybe that was a psychic thing, but just kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyhow, we chatted. She was very sweet. And she, at the end, she said, you know what? Um, I met this other woman named Elizabeth who her son passed on a mountain too. And uh, I think you two should get together. I think it would be really good. And um, so I said, sure, great. I said, here, let me sign a, Let me give as a gift. I'll give a copy of Soul Shift and sign it over. And could you give this to her? And she said, sure. And my contact information, I think I wrote it in the book or something. And it, I don't even think it was a week that I heard uh, had passed. And then I heard from Elizabeth. And she wanted to get together. So uh, Susie and I met her one evening, like at a happy hour or whatever. And we chatted. She'd already read the book and loved it. And she said it was so helpful to her. And then it was a short time after that she mentioned that she had put together a group um, that would get together. And it was all made of folks who, parents whose kids had passed. And um, she had said she'd tried some other groups before, but it just wasn't uplifting enough for her. So she wanted to try something a little different. And she asked if I'd speak at her first meeting. So I said, sure. And we get there, and she had a pretty good gathering. I'd say 30, 35 people maybe. Um, I could tell right away there was a couple, you know, kind of very traditional Christians or fundamentalists almost, I would say. So I, I told Elizabeth, I said, hey, are you sure you want me to talk about this? It could get a little sticky (laughs) here. And she said, oh, it'll be fine. And it did. I mean, um, we end up, fortunately, I know Scripture well enough to talk about those issues or the things that they would bring up. But overall, the the group really enjoyed the meeting. You could tell there was a lot of positive, uplifting parts to it. And actually, some of the folks at that very first meeting are now on the board, like Doris. Um, And then Kim Camacho and others that came are still members of the group. So she then started having these meetings, I think, once a month in different venues. So I'd go when I could and was trying to be helpful and um, supportive. And then fast forward. Now, that was probably 2010, I'm thinking. I don't remember exactly, but I'll just say it's 2010. Mm -hmm. Um, Fast forward to 2011, I was leaving a job in the corporate world, and I called another person who I trust and I'm good friends with, uh, who I didn't know earlier, but... 
uh, Tina Powers is a really gifted medium out of Tucson. So I was explaining this job transition thing, and she goes, Mark, I think this is a perfect time for you to do um, to really embark on what I think is your life's path, which is to help other parents who have been through this. And she goes, um, um, so think about that. And so I did. I gave it some serious thought, and I, I was like, well, I'd like to do something bigger in scope. You know, what Elizabeth's doing is great work, but I want something bigger where there's, you know, a broader net. And then I thought, well, she's got a blueprint for, you know, these group meetings. What if you just took that and you expand it out and teach other people in other cities how to do this and you establish a website, which she didn't have, and establish a, a newsletter? So a short time later, I called her, I explained it, and, I, and her group was called um, Parents United in Loss. And I said, um, do you want to work with me on this and blow this thing out and make it become national or even international? And I'll help you know, get the website off the ground, newsletter, we can put a group of people together to to help with this and and maybe use a name something like Helping Parents Heal. And she says, mm. I love that name. She goes, Yeah, she I, I hated really that original pirate. name and yeah. here you come with this vision, which is just awesome. So that's how it came together. You know, it was like putting the nuts and bolts together and the two pieces just needed to be merged together and then you can see where it is now. We have over eleven thousand members on a private Facebook page. We have around 50 affiliates across the country and overseas. We had our first ever conference in the Phoenix-Scottsdale area in April where we were hoping to get 200 and ended up with 500 attendees. And now we're looking to 2020 in Charleston, figuring we'll have 1,000. So this thing is just unbelievable. Unbelievable indeed. And I know that uh, you know the reasons why it's so successful. And if you, we have just one minute before we have to take a break. We're going to come back after the break and talk about what you call the five pillars of healing. And I know that Helping Parents Heal addresses those five aspects. But in just uh, less than a minute, what, what makes this organization so, so attractive to people? Why is it growing so rapidly? Reader's Digest version. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the difference is because we we are hopeful. We have the a, a hope element, and it's not just about grief. It's about looking forward with hope and conviction that there is indeed more. Not preaching that, but allowing for people to discuss it openly and to share experiences. I think that's the key differentiator. Yeah. I mean, anybody that's ever been to a Helping Parents Heal meeting is generally surprised because it is. It's uplifting. There are those there who are clearly in deep grief, but then there are others who have moved beyond that. And that's what you are providing to people. So again, I hope uh, those of you listening will come back for the second half. We're not just talking to, to bereaved parents. We're talking to anybody who is dealing with a loss with our guest, Mark Ireland. His website is markirelandauthor.com. So please come back and join us to hear more about Mark's Five Pillars of Healing. Thanks for joining us. 
This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you enjoy our programming, we invite you to support it by visiting unityonlineradio.org and clicking on Donate Now. Help us continue to provide inspiring content to everyone. Thank you for your support. Here's Eric Butterworth with a Unity Mindful Moment. Jesus taught the infinite potential of man and the influence of the allness of God. And he said, what I have done, you can do. This is the missing link in Christian religion. All that I have done, you can do too. Any great demonstration of law is repeatable. We tend to spend too much time looking to the people who demonstrate the law rather than the act of demonstration itself. Whenever anything is done, it can be done. The principle is what God has done, God can do. And God can do for you because you are involved in the same infinite law. Practical metaphysics then deals with a repeatable Christ. But if Jesus demonstrated the law, the law is demonstrable, therefore it can be done, and it can be done at any time by one who is in that consciousness. To pick up the Eric Butterworth book, Practical Metaphysics, go to unity.org and click on Shop. Daily Word has developed beautiful card decks to support your spiritual journey. One deck is about healing, another is about finding peace in troubled times. And the family cards are two decks, one for parents and one that can be colored on for children, so families can talk about spiritual principles together. The card decks are available from Unity. Go to unity.org, then click on Shop, or call 1-800-24-UNITY Monday through Friday. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 1-800-NOW-PRAY. Would you like to experience more peace and joy in your life through A Course in Miracles? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley support you in discovering the powerful life lessons available through this unique spiritual thought system that teaches the way to love and peace is through forgiveness. Join Jennifer every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for A Course in Miracles, living the love, walking the talk, to experience the healing for yourself on Unity Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman.
Hey, everybody. I hope you've been enjoying my guest today, Mark Ireland. As much as I am, I could listen to his stories all afternoon. Mark is the co-founder of Helping Parents Heal and the author of Soul Shift. If you haven't read that book and are interested in the afterlife, you definitely need to read that one. And his other book, Messages from the Afterlife. You can find all of that at his website, Mark with a K, Mark Ireland, like the country, author.com, Mark IrelandAuthor.com. Now, Mark, we told everybody we were going to come back after the break and talk about the five pillars of healing. This is a term that you came up with, and I learned about it reading Ernie Jackson's book. Ernie was my guest several weeks ago talking about Quentin's legacy. And when I read these in the preface to the book, the foreword that you wrote, I said, wow, we have to get Mark on the show and talk about these because they're really tremendous for people who want to heal from grief. So why don't you go through them one by one? Sure. Interestingly, it started as three pillars, and then someone brought up a fourth one. I thought, that's valid. So then it was four, and then Ernie actually brought up that fifth one, which I've changed the order, but um, his he added one, and, and that's where I ended up with five. But so... And really where these came from was just through what I observed in the healing process that I saw take place with mainly the parents that were coming to the meetings and that were part of our, our group of people, some of whom you've met, like the Hollahans and, and oh, others. Yeah. So this is my observation of what, what made that happen or what the key pieces were. So number one on my list is support from family and friends. And that's just like the first core basic thing. Um, and it was very helpful to us to have that. Now, unfortunately, some families are, aren't that maybe a little dysfunctional or maybe um, after something like this happens and there's a passing, people get weird sometimes and families don't talk to each other and things like that. Mm-hmm. But So the first cornerstone, I feel like, is if you have this, this is a real plus. Um, and I didn't know if you had anything to add to that or if you've had any observations about that that issue. Well, I just think it's so important because so many people, when they're in deep grief, I believe they tend to hole up inside their homes and they think that they don't need anybody or they don't want to talk to anybody. But here you are saying how important it is to get that support. Yeah, I, it really is. It's got to be constructive. Um, I've heard stories from some folks, though, it's a little disappointing where their family and friends will kind of cut off from them because either they don't know what to say um, yeah. or they assume that the people don't want to talk about their child or their other loved one that passed when, in fact, they do want to talk about them and they want them to be brought up and discussed. And so sometimes other family and friend members will feel uncomfortable with that and then Sometimes they won't be as supportive, too, because they might um, say, well, you should be further along or we shouldn't have to talk about this anymore. Um, But I think most families are going to be supportive. At least that's what I found. Um, And in my case, it was definitely the case to have that. So that's, that's the first pillar. Yeah, I'd like to just say in in my book, still right here, I I interviewed Lynn and Jeff Hollihan, who you just mentioned. They said how supportive you and your wife Susie were to them after their son Devin passed. But Jeff mentioned just what you were talking about, that he couldn't talk about it with his family. Every time he looked at his wife and his daughter, it just he saw the grief on their face, and, and it just made him hurt even more. And yet, Lynn... 
she only wanted to talk about Devin. So it that's that that paradox that you're talking about there. And then there's the people who we we hear the word support group, and there are support groups for for spouses who who have passed, and for children, and even for siblings. And I know before I heard about helping parents heal, the thought of going to a support group left me cold because. Who wants to sit around with a bunch of depressed people? I want to go to a meeting and be uplifted. And yet what Helping Parents Heal does is it allows people to talk about the beautiful signs and synchronicities from those who have passed. And it gives people that hope that that is the whole goal of the organization. Yeah, so that's where the second pillar comes in. And the second pillar is to develop relationships with others who have experienced the same thing. So, you know, if you don't have that number one pillar, number two can really fill in the gap. And if you have both, that's a real plus. But it's this number two where, you know, that's part of what Helping Parents Heal does is it brings people together who have been down the same path and who can relate to one another and develop friendships and to share with one another. And that, that's a huge piece of this as well. You know, that's what we saw at the Helping Parents Heal conference when here were gathered hundreds of parents who, when you're in the depths of grief, of the loss of anyone in your family, you feel like nobody else knows what you've been going through and you're the only one that could possibly feel this way. And then suddenly, here are other people that you you're, you meet them and your heart says, this is a kindred spirit. And those relationships that you develop end up being deeper and more meaningful and more loving than any we'd had previously. Haven't you found that to be the case? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, even before the conference happened, I was telling the other board members, I said, you mark my words that perhaps the best thing that will happen at this conference, not, I mean, because we had great speakers and presenters and everything, but the most important thing of this will be getting all these people together and the relationships that will evolve out of this and the healing that will take place through that. And it really did happen. It sure did. So number one, healing Advice, receive loving support from family and friends. Number two, meet and develop relationships with other people who've been through the same thing. What's next? The next one is service. So that is what I find sometimes, and this isn't just true with loss, but it's almost true, I think, with people who are down or depressed sometimes or feel like they're they're very self-focused sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but but in the case of grief, um, people who can break out of that thought process for long enough and are far enough along to go do something constructive for somebody else will find that actually heals them too. So whether that means to go to a food bank and work or to... Um, donate your time to cancer research or to develop a foundation for whatever took your loved one's life. Um, We see all these kinds of things, and there's more parents with foundations than you can shake a stick at, I'll tell you. Um, And that's great, but it's it's really the idea of, like, it's what goes around comes around, and it's when you shift your focus away from your problems and away from you, you and the pain, and you direct it towards other people's needs, there's a healing effect for you as well. Yeah, I don't know if it was on this show that I shared an example of that. If it is, you guys who are listening, forgive me, but I have this friend, Diane. She 
had to deal with the death of both her son and her husband in a short period of time. And, and she wrote to me and she emailed me and said that her house was just so quiet and so lonely and she was having trouble getting out of her funk. And I, I said, Diane, what I recommend is you love animals. Get out of your house and go work in some capacity helping animals and be around people as you do so. And be around people so much that by the time you get home, you walk in that house and you say, oh, thank goodness, some peace and quiet to myself. And you know, Mark, she did that. She got out and She's a different person today, not just from being of service, but because she also knows what you and I know, that her son and her husband are still right with her. But uh, it's yeah, just like awesome. you said, getting that focus off the self. Yeah, exactly. So the next pillar is forgiveness. And this is the one I would really thank Ernie for bringing to my attention. Because what I've seen here, like some of the people that stay in that low depressed grief state for an extended period of time often are hanging on to something and not letting go of it it could be you know um someone you're blaming for the for the death of your loved one for whether it's an accident or whatever it is but holding on to that and having those thoughts and i'm not saying this is easy and i'm not telling anyone they have to do it or even if they can do it but if they're able to do that yeah. I think it relieves a tremendous burden from you, from the person who's harboring that. Um, so it's it's a release, if you will. And Ernie, even in his case, described it as such. If you know his story, it's just amazing that he would provide that level of forgiveness right after his son died in that accident uh, that was caused by a young lady falling asleep at the wheel of her car. But but he he, he had empathy for her. And he looked in her eyes, and he knew that she was horrified and didn't intend for that to happen. And at the same time, he also was smart enough to realize it would hurt him to hold on to that anger and not forgive her. Yeah, the the thing that I wish people understood is why unforgiveness is so hard on ourselves is because energetically we're walling off our hearts as a medium when i do a reading and i see somebody on the other side and the issue of forgiveness comes up i see a hand come down in front of the heart as if to say hey that wall is up we're not able to get through it the the love is not going out or coming in so those of you listening think about someone you know perhaps even yourself if if you're unable to feel love if you're unable to move forward perhaps you need to open that door knock down that wall so that's what why this forgiveness pillar of healing is so important. Uh, just holding on to anger and judgment just prolongs the suffering. Yeah, and I think even f physiologically, there's it's a stress component, you know, that's not good for your health either, even beyond any of those things. So it's um, mm -hmm. it, it, easier said than done in some cases, but it's definitely something that can make a, a very positive difference if someone can get there. Yeah, and I I love that it's like we say it's not something you have to do. It's something you you arrive at. But wow, what a gift when you do! I, I hear stories every day. Just heard one yesterday about a woman who forgave her son's killer. These these I hope none of us ever have to face this, but they're tremendous stories. And what's most tremendous about them is the healing effect on the one who gives the forgiveness, let alone the one who receives it. It just it has ripple effects and. I like to think of those in 
in spirit those who have passed who are still very much alive and cognizant how they must celebrate to see the the benefits and the lessons being learned from that. Totally. Yep. And so that brings us to the fifth pillar, which is probably the biggest differentiator uh, for the Helping Parents Heal organization to any of the other organizations of that type, and that is to um, learn about the evidence for the afterlife and to share personal experiences. So this is having this open forum to explore, read, um, try and see if you can connect on your own or whether you're having mediumship readings or whatever, but to have a dialogue about the various things, just like the stories I was telling earlier. So Mm -hmm. we bring these parents together and we allow them to, to, to have those discussions and we don't, we're not dogmatic. That's not what we are. We don't tell people what to think or how to think. We just provide an environment where they're free to say what they want. And we have a wide range of folks from very traditional religious backgrounds to people that are agnostic or perhaps even atheists in some cases, even though after a while they typically aren't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but just having those discussions, that's really what I call the hope element. That's the hope piece. Because yeah. um, aside from anything else, you know, knowing that our loved ones continue on and that there's a home for us after this physical life too. And there's purpose to this life as well. It's not just a random set of chaos uh, type actions that are happening um, we do have free will, and, and there is a path and purpose for each of us, as there was for our loved ones who have passed. And um, having that hope element, I think it is the one of the biggest catalysts in really somebody getting over the hump. Well, I couldn't agree more. And since you're on a show called Messages of Hope, there's not much I can add to that one. So those five steps together are just so useful. Would you just go over them one more time for us, Mark? Sure. So the first pillar is support from family and friends. The second is to develop relationships with others who have experienced the same thing. The third is service. Um, Shifting into a mode of service to help others because it helps you heal. The fourth is forgiveness. Don't hold on to anger because it only hurts you when you harbor those feelings. Let go of that anger. And the fifth pillar is being open to learning about evidence for the afterlife and sharing personal experiences about that because those provide hope and that hope will help you get over the hump. That's fantastic. Now, we were talking on the break. You don't have them in a book anywhere yet, do you? No, I need to get my rear in gear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I you know you inspired me because I'm going to I'm updating my website here within the next few weeks and I'm going to add a page and I'll just have a page with that right there. I think that's the way to start out. Perfect. And then the next book that I release I'll be sure to put that in there. Perfect. Yeah. So have you received feedback from people who are grieving about these pillars or about your books and your talks? Oh, unbelievable. I'm sure I know you do every day because you're doing readings for people, but um yeah, I've received notes from people from around the world who have um said that they read my books and it saved their life um or saw some of the talks that I gave. I think one of the best ones I had was that FMBR Foundation for Mind Being Research. There's a link to that on my site too. What is it called? Um, foundation. It, on, yeah, it's Foundation for Mind Being Research. 
It's uh, mm. FMBR, but they're like ions, if you're familiar with IONS. Dean yes. Radin's mm-hmm. in ions. They're a lot like that, and they're also in the Bay Area. They're in Palo Alto, and they've got, like, their members include um, Bernard Hayes, who's a physicist, but he's got a spiritual interest and orientation, um, and also um, Russell Targ, um, who was involved with the Stanford Research Institute that did a lot of the um, remote viewing research. Oh, yeah. uh, so, and when I spoke there, they were both in the audience. So I was a little in- intimidated at first, but it, it actually went pretty well. Um, so, yeah, I've had that kind of feedback, and it's it's really touching when you hear somebody say, I was going to take my own life, and I, I didn't. Um, you, you know, I got enough out of what you shared that gave me hope. And then you know you're on to something important, Um there. And it's not about me. It's just like Linda Williamson said to me in 2004, just need to share, be open, state what you believe. And, you know, I think if I go back before Brandon's passing, I didn't talk about it that much. You know, I'd seen miracles, really. And I was keeping that to myself. I guess, you know, was I doing that just to fit in with everybody else? Or or was it, you know, I'd forgotten? I, I don't know. But I see the importance of that and that sharing is, you know, to help others understand the greater reality. Even if we can't identify every little piece of it, exactly how everything works, just knowing that there is more and their loved ones do go on and their their personalities persist and the love persists. And, you know, those things are, I think, very important. And I love getting feedback that I've been able to contribute in a positive way. Well, you really have. So, you know, I'm thinking as you're talking, first we should tell people how to find Helping Parents Heal. Uh, Why don't we do that? And I'll follow up with my thoughts. Sure. So, um, Helping Parents Heal's website is helpingparentsheal.org. And we owe Suzanne a lot of thanks for that because we had a a different site before that. And she she made a donation of her personal funds to help us get this new site. And we really appreciate it. It's really nice. So that's helpingparentheal.org. And once you get to that site, you'll find links to our Facebook page. Um, the The main Facebook page is a private page just because parents are posting things that are very sensitive. So you can join. You just have to put in a request to join that organization. Um, but that's the best way to find And then how about meetings? It. Yeah, so all the meetings are listed on Facebook. So if you go to the website, there is a um, a section there for resources and meetings. You click on that, and it'll take you to the Facebook page with a list of all the meetings and all the locations. And for those who live in an area where we don't have um, an affiliate, even though we're growing rapidly, we have many more than we did just even two years ago, um, there are some people that live in rural areas. So for those folks, we have what we call our our online group. And the online group will... They'll do Zoom meetings, and they'll have um, guest speakers and presenters join uh, via Zoom. So people located anywhere can participate in those meetings. Beautiful. What I was thinking earlier was, you know, we talk so much about the Helping Parents Heal, but I don't know of an organization like this for spouses that allows for this open talk about the afterlife. Do you? I don't, but maybe maybe someone needs to take the plunge and do that. You know, we do have yeah. an offshoot called Helping Siblings Heal, 
because we often find that the, the siblings are forgotten in this process. So if you go to that website and you're a sibling or know of a sibling that needs the help, we do have some affiliates focused on that. But who knows, maybe that'll be the next step for us is to look at that for spouses. Yeah, I'm just thinking when my father died and my mother, she ended up going to a, a few meetings at a hospice to help her with her grief, but it wasn't very helpful to her. It was kind of, she found it very depressing and and. So, yeah, maybe somebody who's listening is going to pick up the ball and run with that or reach out to you or Elizabeth Boisson through the Helping Parents Heal site and say, hey, we need something for people who have spouses. And why not? Because I've never found anything so helpful as this hopeful organization. Yeah, with 11,000 members, I'm sure we have a few that that might uh, be wanting to uh, take the baton and run with it. Yeah, I, I have no doubt that yeah, the kids on the other side are helping very much from from uh, their perspective across the veil. We just had a nice um, a donation came into the organization yesterday that I was aware of, and Irene Vuvalides, who's on the board, mentioned uh, something with her daughter that directly tied it to that donation. And people might laugh, but I can see how the web reaches across the veil, and how this is a collaborative venture no doubt about it yeah we've had a lot of evidence of that being the case um so yeah no absolutely yeah mark i was so pleased to have a chance to meet you and Susie in person and uh, i had even though we just briefly met at a conference to have dinner with you and i want to tell folks who are listening just a little of the magic when we were sitting there and of course oh yeah <laughs> um, what happens with me frequently when when we get to talking about anybody who's on the other side i feel their presence i get lightheaded and we were sitting there at the table and your son brandon dropped in on me and and you showed me a a picture of him on your phone. It was just a headshot. And I said, right. why is he showing me a, a, um, that Hawaiian symbol you make with your hands? What, there's a word for that. It's like the hang, the hang loose. Hang, hang loose, loose, the hang loose sign. And I held up my fingers like that. He said, he's showing me that. And you said that he, that picture was taken in Hawaii. Do you remember what happened the next day? Yeah, so I, I just didn't think that much of it. But I thought, oh, that's nice. You know, we're in Hawaii. And so that makes sense. But then I went to bed that night, got up the next morning, and thought, wait a minute, that picture of Brandon I actually cropped from a bigger group photo. So I went digging for the group photo. I found it, and I actually sent it to you, and then you posted it, which was great. But what was in that bigger group photo was five of us all doing the hang loose sign, which was pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It is awesome. Would you have any idea repeatedly throughout this talk here, and I, I'm – I'm half torn. Do I say it or not? Um, I just have the sense of Brandon showing me something that looks like resin or what is it that you run across a violin bow or an arrow, a little piece of rosin. Resin? Do you know what I'm talking about? I just keep seeing Brandon with some strings like a guitar or violin strings running some of that resin or rosin. I don't know what I'm talking about across it. Does that make any sense to you? So I play guitar and my son Stephen plays guitar and he actually stopped playing for a long time but he just got his guitar uh, tuned up and he's now trying to pick it up again this is after years Ah, so the time was great and I just got a new guitar for my birthday and um, I was just thinking I need to get this I don't even know what it's called but it's basically a treatment that keeps your fingers from getting too dry and sticky on the strings 
but okay. you can rub it up and down. That's it, because he just fingers. keeps showing me something needs to go on the strings that, that to loosen them up or something, these, these musical yeah. strings. Yay, I'm hearing ding, 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 ding. Just greetings yep. from Brent. <laughs> Brandon, sorry. Awesome. Beautiful. Yeah. So you, uh, you certify mediums these days, don't you? Yeah, so um, there are obviously organizations that are much, that go to, longer ends like Winbridge, uh, Dr. Julie Beichel, where she puts people through quintuple blind tests and all that. Mm-hmm. The only reason I really did this or started this back in 2014 was because there was people that really needed a, a reading from a medium. Um, number one, I wanted to be able to direct them to somebody I could trust. And I knew a lot of really good people, but a lot of them you know, were backlogged six months or whatever. And a lot of the top mediums do charge a lot. I know you're an exception to that, which you know is great, and it's I respect you so much. But people are all in different situations too, and they have their right. reasons. I don't judge, but people charge what they need to charge. But I knew you know, there are families that can't afford some of those fees, and people can't wait six months if they're desperate. So I thought there have to be some hidden gems out there, and if I can find those folks, and then um, put them through you know basically five blind reading tests, and they score well enough on a statistical basis and with on a percentage accuracy basis and then getting some bonus hits that they get extra points for that I'll say that they're passed and certified. I'll put them on this site and then when people ask me for a recommendation, I send them here and, and then they have resources they can go to. And um, so far I think I've certified 13 and I'm testing two more right now. So it's a lot of work, but it's rewarding too. And, and there's some really good people out coming through out of this who, you know, they can benefit from it and the parents can benefit too. That's fantastic. Well, Mark, I thank you so much for coming on the show today. If all of you would like to find out more about Mark, and I definitely recommend his his books, including Soul Shift, please visit markirelandauthor.com. Mark, thank you so much for all the work you've done for parents and for anybody out there who needs to find hope after healing. Great. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down. <laughs>